zombies have taken over the world, and the world needs heroes. Hi folks, Timothy Harvey. The Outbreak Challenge, outbreakchallenge.com, has become a sponsor of Zompocalypse Now. Use your real-life steps and exercise to run from and battle the zombies on an interactive fitness adventure in the apocalyptic wasteland. And you can do this alone, you can do it with your friends, see who survives. They have 17 different races and challenges to choose from. All of them have unique stories and themes. If you survive the challenge, they'll send you a real-life medal. Now, this thing will easily pair with your Fitbit, your Apple Watch, other smart wearables. It is definitely a fun way to stay in shape or get back in shape after the last couple of years. We could probably all use some help with that. Now, if you want to try the Outbreak Challenge for yourself, you can save 15% off by going to their website, outbreakchallenge.com, pick the race you want, and enter in the code ZOMBIERUN to save 15% off. That's our coupon code, ZOMBIERUN you get as listeners of the show to take advantage of the outbreak challenge try this out for yourself see if it works for you and we're working on a race of our own so hopefully we'll be able to bring our listeners along with us as we explore the outbreak challenge thanks so much folks and now let's get into our episode do you fear the zombie uprising are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. First impression, love, hate, this one, how'd you feel? Um... I uh, three fourths. I think I, I can give it a three fourths liked. Okay. More, yeah. I'm more. I have more positive than negative to say. I would agree with that. That sounds. That sounds like a, a pretty accurate description of my feelings as well. Well, what say? Let's go into more detail. Tim, take it away. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, or good morning, or whenever you are listening to this. This is Apocalypse Now. Our little show about things undead. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Justin. I'm Curtis. I'm eating something. I'm sorry. I usually eat something, so it's okay. And this episode, we are discussing another Walking Dead. Shocker. Uh, We are, of course, (laughs) often talking about things dead in the Walking Dead universe. Uh, of course, we are in season 11. This is the final season of The Walking Dead. And this is the first, we're, we're in the tail end of the first eight episode block. This is Promises Broken. It is episode seven of this season. And we get to check in with pretty much everybody at this point, except for the folks back in Alexandria. Yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> but... But at this point, I did, it didn't even occur to me that they still existed. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a full uh, a full bouncing around as the show often does, hopping from one place to another as our characters are spread out all over the place. Well, still within the same five miles of each other, probably. But well, that's that's because there's only there's only a hundred square miles in the entire planet on the Walking Dead universe. So. <laughs> So let's like start. A, it's like a Skyrim map, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'd like to start with Eugene's 
situation. Eugene and Yumiko and and uh, and all of them. Princess and Ezekiel and the uh, not Stephanie. Yes, not Stephanie. Eugene. Although we do see Stephanie in this episode. We see yeah. the real Stephanie. Eugene, uh, he makes a good showing for himself. Yeah, I. this was a really good, I like this whole whole section, especially um, the way it kind of laid things out for the audience. Like if you remember things about when, you know, earlier episodes, you, you kind of have some foreshadowing and, you know, this whole section was, I think, very well crafted. Uh, apparently, uh, Ezekiel and Princess, and not Stephanie, and uh, Eugene have been put on Walker elimination duty, uh, which essentially means that they are clearing walkers out of places for future use, new buildings and stuff on the outskirts of the community so that they can build the community bigger. Uh, whilst doing that, uh, just just the worst, this assholey entitled uh, Todd-looking little motherfucker and his girlfriend are going on a date out in the wilderness, which I I I, I don't believe for one second. Uh, he was gonna. He was like ten seconds away from talking her into blowies. But here, okay. But why? Hey, baby, let's go out to the to the outskirts of the booty docks where we might be eaten by walkers and then let's get our dicks out. That's so stupid. Well, okay. So this character is Sebastian. He is the son of the leader of the Commonwealth, which means he's an entitled little prick. And he's got his own bodyguard. He's got this, this, all these soldiers on him. I can very easily see this kind of entitled self-important little twit going hey baby let me take you out where it's dangerous my people will protect us and you know he's all is it stupid yes does it do could i could i see how this could have easily happened yes i could see that as well not to mention the fact that we find out later this is kind of a setup yeah Totally, 100%, 1,000%. Well, his character was so two-dimensional, it was one-dimensional. If he was any less dimensional, we could see through him? Yeah. So Eugene and not Stephanie uh, see these kids about to be attacked by walkers, and they're in the midst of, like, clearing and killing walkers. And so they go and, and save them, but... This kid doesn't think of it as being saved, even though his private security is nowhere to be found. I've been severely inconvenienced. Yes. (laughs) Marty, Marty, I'm not happy. (laughs) (laughs) And he starts being a jerk. And Eugene has made very wide and large strides since he was introduced. And he doesn't take shit anymore from nobody. And so he's like, no, wait a minute. You know, we just saved your life. And the kid's like, no, you didn't. I have private security. And Eugene's like, where? <laughs> where are they? And they get into kind of a tussle. And uh, and there's a great and- line where the kid, the kid says something. I can't remember the word he used. And Eugene looks at him and goes, I see someone's gotten to use their dictionary today. 
<laughs> I mean, from Eugene. This is Eugene, right? Snapping I, back at somebody I, else using a big word. I seriously, seriously hated the comedy moment of the Walker walking up. I hated this. Oh, of the okay. Walker walking up and not Stephanie being like Eugene, Eugene, and him like, "No, you just wait a second, Stephanie." And hold your horses, walk, he said. The Walkers coming up, and she even though she just spent just as much time saving this this couple from walkers, she stands there and waits till it gets right up on the girl before she goes in and uh, kills it and splashes her all with blood. And it was like, you could have left this argument 30 minutes ago and taken care of this walker 10 yards away. There's well, this is- the, the young lady should have died because she has no situational awareness. There is a creature that is making noise. It's making noise. It's making, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a stealth walker. You can hear it coming. There's a sound effect in everything. And she's just like, and not Stephanie standing there looking at the thing. Why didn't she more than just Eugene? Yeah, no, it's it's, it's like no, it's dumb. I know you're trying to make it funny or whatever, but you're re- not. It really was, and it's sad because I think uh, I think that dude needs a win once in a while. But it was the the mm-hmm. fucking that was the kind of the low arc of the story. Well, and of course it turned because out of that. course that was an important person's spoiled kid. Right. And so, of course, of course, Eugene gets arrested and they use that as leverage for him to, like, finally, probably break and tell them where Alexandria is. Whether or not Alexandria is still there when they get there, that remains to be seen. Well, isn't it in fucking Alexandria, Washington or something? They were were on the way to Washington, D.C. Virginia. They passed. It's. Alexandria is in Virginia. Yeah, I've been there. So this is all just a setup, obviously. Lance is playing power games. Lance is the guy. Lance is the used car salesman guy we've been we've met in previous episodes. And he's playing some sort of power game here. Right. This is all about him leveraging more power for himself. Um, whether he's actually working actively against governor milton he's definitely got his own agenda this is the little finger that's going to get his throat cut in the final episode probably Probably. second to last we'll go with that but he's the one who arranged for where eugene and company are doing the walking cleaning out and he's the one who apparently somehow managed to get sebastian the twit and vacuous girlfriend to go out on the edge of town and he's the one who basically made sure that their security detail was mysteriously absent mm-hmm. he also is messing with yumiko yes um and and so yumiko is trying to get her people out of this walker prison thing and and you know she's been offered a job in the government and she's trying to uh to negotiate to get her friends. And in doing that, she tries to go to like the head lady, the governor. <laughs> Can't believe they're using that again. <sighs> <laughs> and she's going to try and talk to her. 
when she goes, she meets up with her brother at like the train station or whatever that's being used to the city hall. And they're talking and she's like, why don't you want to be a doctor? And he's like, I always kind of hated it. And she's like, I don't necessarily think that's true. And he's like, look, I'm happy. Don't ever tell anybody that I was a doctor. And that immediately, if you are remembering and paying attention, makes you go, oh, shit. That's how she got in. She told them my doctor is my brother is a doctor and he lives in the city and I think he's trying to find me. That's the first thing she said. Oh yeah, and so then he gets arrested, and the used car salesman guy is like, "Well, I just need to hold him for a little bit, but I think he's in trouble because he didn't tell him that he was a doctor." Right, because the the Commonwealth basically tells you what role you're going to serve in the society. It is. You know, we're all in this together. We all have to do the thing we're best at for the benefit of everyone. This is what um, a lot of people think would happen if one political party or the other were left in charge, that this well, is this would be our lives. There's a certain aspect of some of the ideas of socialism and communism and this sort of, of you know, the working but for the community is, in the is... best role. But this is... Those are the fears they're playing off of, though. You know? Right, but this is this is essentially like we have found in pretty much every group that isn't actually Rick led. Uh, mm-hmm. It's some form of totalitarianism or fascism or straight up murder cult or an anarchistic or... commune where each <laughs> member takes turns being sort of a executive <laughs> officer of the week. <laughs> yeah, man. Every week we change leaders. And you can't be the leader twice in a row, man. And, they, uh, and the leader powers. makes wine. <laughs> There's a Monty Python skit all just ready for this. Anyway. No, I half quoted Monty Python. You did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're in this situation where, you know, now Eugene's in trouble and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, and while she was waiting to to see the governor, she did run into real Stephanie, who is like, like her assistant or something. So I don't know why we're what we're what the point of not Stephanie is. Well, the point of not Stephanie is to get Eugene to tell them things that Eugene doesn't realize he's giving away. Mm-hmm. She's a plant. Why real Stephanie is around on the edges is more the question I have, because if it were me running this clearly manipulative situation, I'd have the real Stephanie far away from any of these people. Oh, yeah. But that's not what they're doing. So, But she's obviously concerned about Eugene and uh, kind of asking around. (laughs) So you're with the new people? Huh? How you guys doing? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> How's everybody doing? So that's kind of where we leave that group. Mm-hmm. Um, mean, meanwhile, Daryl, let's talk about Daryl and, and Dog Lady next. Mm-hmm. Daryl, Daryl and Leo. Dog Lady. I, I hate this group setup mm-hmm. so badly. Because I just don't in any way believe this group would still exist in this form at this point in the apocalypse. Some, like after the second or t- third time that this leader dude murdered one of his own men 
so one of those soldiers would have been like, we've got to kill that. We got to kill Poe. Yeah, yeah, he was the leader before, and that's all great. But he's crazy. He killed Jerry. So Leah actually tries to hand wave this away. After Pope reads the riot act to a couple of guys, really, and this is where Dustin took himself off mute as we're watching this and went, no, (laughs) no, none of this would happen. Um, Leah and and Daryl are on patrol and they're walking and talking and having the conversations that only happen in TV shows. And he's like, so Pope's a little crazy, isn't he? And she's like, he didn't always used to be this way. He's like, really? She's like, no, no, he used to be, he used to be very nice. And he was like my dad and everything. And he's like, uh-huh, sure. Okay. And it, it's not enough. No, there's loyalty and then there's self-preservation. At some point, again, this is this goes back to a little bit of the walkers. Like, I do not for one second believe that when they strolled up on Alexandria and were like, they've got bathtubs in there that she didn't lose 50% of her people immediately, 100% as soon as they were done. And then like, you know, it's the same thing with that in that Shyamalan movie, The Village, mm-hmm. where it's just like, you've got to, you, you know, give yourself the, like, like, the benefit of knowing how people act. Well, this is actually a problem with The Walking Dead in general. And we've seen this for a very long time, really back to the beginning of the show, which is the villains of the show, with rare exceptions, don't actually have good reasons to be in charge of the communities they're in. If they're big, if they're like five or six guys, um, you know, that's one thing. But if it's like a whole community... I mean, the idea that the governor could never have revealed his batshit craziness in all the time he was the governor is kind of dumb. The idea that uh, the folks who ran Alexandria could delude themselves into thinking they were safe inside this little bubble and that the rest of the world was not going to intrude. I mean, that's willful ignorance. We've discussed, and I agree with you on that, but you also have to remember that those things all happened a decade ago in the show's timeline. Right. It, so so it we has, don't, so, like, it makes more sense to me that the governor was able to deceive so many people in the first six or eight months of this apocalypse and that the Alexandrians would be this naive within the first six to eight months of the apocalypse. Except but was, not now. No, Absolutely definitely not now. not now. Definitely not now. But yeah, so Pope is just clearly crazy pants shit nuts at this point i love that and crazy pants shit nuts because i mean he's just he is one step away from they're coming for our precious bodily fluids here folks he (laughs) is and and in fairness to the actor he's giving a great performance of 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 someone who is clearly meant to he's used to being obeyed Except he's British, and every once in a while it, he gets real British. <laughs> uh, well, like when he gets like real, like he gets real British. They they always paint these these villain characters with very broad brushes. They don't. There's not a lot of subtlety to them because they're so transparent as characters all the time. Well, and these these are this is all this is all military people. These are all folks who are used to having a chain of command. So there's a certain amount of. This is our leader. We follow our leader. Okay, I get that. 
But at the same time, like you said, Dustin, these are all folks, their goal in a mission is not die. And friendly fire is a thing for a reason. And the idea that at this point, someone might not have accidentally shot Pope in the back of the head. Um, Unless this is like super recent behavior. But if it is, and Leah sort of implies that, we only have what we've seen of Pope at this point. Giving us two or three lines about he didn't used to be like this doesn't sell it. Sorry, it, it just doesn't. What do you think, Curtis? Well, I'm I'm a lot less fuck it this time, but still, I I don't know, man. I I really miss the way they used to craft this show, and it just seemed this week it seemed a bit farted out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, we haven't even... I think the most interesting stuff was between Maggie and and, and Negan. I was about to say, we haven't even gotten to what I think is the meat of the episode, which is Maggie and Negan. Yeah, I think that's where the the most fun stuff came up. Well, let's wrap up uh, uh, Daryl and Leo with... They come across a guy who's hiding in a bush like a Monty Python bit. And he, he and his family, with his very, very wounded and dying wife, have somehow managed to avoid all of the the military guys who are doing uh patrols here which makes me wonder about what they're actually doing on their patrols uh because low jobs probably beat your break you guys and so this guy's like please don't kill me i have i have a family and leah does the good little soldier thing and pope does the crazy person thing and tells her to kill him and and daryl's just standing there going what the hell have i gotten myself into this time this just gets better and better. But when they get there to where the, the husband, the wife, and the son are, the wife is like in like super obviously about to die. Leah tells him, like, take your kid and get out of here. And the wife's like, Oh, thank you, you know, so much. They wouldn't have left if I hadn't, if you hadn't come and made them. Uh, and they she's she's gonna Leah's gonna kill the wife, but then she can't do it and daryl ends up doing it for her and right about the time daryl goes hey hey leah i got something to tell you because i think he's like feeling like maybe he can trust her a little bit uh which i think is unwise but that's just me uh maybe you i don't know uh they get a call from pope he's like you gotta come back and because they are mere feet away from their final destination, Daryl will not have the I have to tell you something conversation the entire length of the walk back. Well, the, the, moment, the moment was ruined. He couldn't be like, hey, Leah, before we go, I need five minutes to talk to you about something real important. <laughs> but they could just do it on the walk back. They could walk and talk. They did it on the West Wing all the time. Come on, people. <laughs> All right, so so um, meanwhile, with uh, with Negan and Maggie. Before we dive into Negan and Maggie, there's the Gabriel side quest. Oh right, which we can knock out really quickly because Gabriel goes on a side quest to do some reconnaissance thing, and he comes across the religious guy for Pope's people, who is I know this is going to become a shock to you, a religious character in the Walking Dead universe who is clearly out of his goddamn mind. Yes. He's hearing voices. He's talking to God. And you know what, folks? Religion, talk to God all you like. I'm sure God may even, you may even hear God talking to you. I'm not going to criticize your faith and how you, what you believe, but this is a crazy person. This is not someone who's 
And Gabriel, to- Gabriel totally has a chance to kill him. Like he said, the, the, he would, he would, if he came across anybody totally had the chance to do it, but, um, uh, he didn't. I, I think I agree. Uh, I agree with Gabriel until, uh, until we get the fact that the priest, the weird, crazy priest followed him back and he's going to know where they are, uh, which we won't get to until the show comes back. Um, I agree with Gabriel in that he should not have engaged this crazy priest because he's a crazy priest and that's not going to be an easy fight. That is going to be licking, licking the knife and carving across in his forehead kind of crazy. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> but I also think the implication here is that Gabriel's struggling with his own sense of right and wrong and his own relationship with God. And here's this guy who is like, I hear you, Father. I understand. And Gabriel's like, at least somebody understands. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's some some emotional aspect to this as far as Gabriel's concerned, with his own dealing with his own faith, and that's and that's fine. But this guy is so unrelentingly crazy. It's like, okay, we've got a crazy priest. We've got Pope being crazy. This is this whole military subgroup is just a mess. And and it doesn't help that that Daryl kind of asks them what, how they found this place, and and uh, Leah's basically like, well, we came across it. There's some people living here, so we killed them, and we want to kill the rest of the people who escaped because what if they come back and want to play with that? Like she just admits, there's like she's like, there's two sides to every story. Did they tell you theirs? And he's like, not really. And then she goes, well, yeah, we just killed the fuck out of them came in and killed the fuck out of them and took their stuff <laughs> like didn't you like that's our side of the story we saw they had nice place here you have that we have you don't have anymore <laughs> so the problem here of course is that this really aside from the fact that leah and daryl have a, a historical connection that we got established in an, an episode last season there's no real way to be sympathetic towards pope and his group of people so if we want complex characters who are actually going to have interesting conversations about thorny philosophical points well we've come to the right place because negan and maggie have conversations before we move on um how many people are in this community like how many soldiers are there are there like wives and children floating around in the background somewhere like dustin how many people are in alexandria how how big was the saviors how How many cows get over the moon who the fuck cares (laughs) the the walking dead doesn't know (laughs) it's how many players we have the budget for this episode come Mm -hmm. on oh they'll jam people in there whenever they want so arbitrary. I love that. I love that this is a random spawn universe. <laughs> well, that's how Lost uh, did things for like two full seasons. They didn't have regular extras. It was just like whoever showed up on set. You're a, you're a survivor of United One Ninety Three today. <laughs> never never sure if it was a hundred people or fifty. They're just in the background for our main guys. Anyway. So yes, Maggie, Maggie and 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 Megan have conversation. Yes, and okay. So in many ways, this is 
part of this final season has been the Negan looking at Maggie and saying, are you sure you want to do this? It's kind of been the recurring theme. And Maggie's like, we're doing the thing. And Negan's like, you know, I have a bit of a reputation for being, I don't know, impulsive, but um, <laughs> Maggie, you might be going too far. And so this is part of the Negan redemption tour, right? Yeah, well, this is part of his redemption story. But he also has, like, the best sequence in this episode is Negan looking at Maggie and saying some really interesting things. They, they, what, is, what is the thing with the masks? That's the whispers, right? Yes. Right. So, Curtis, you didn't see the whisper arc, right? No, no, I saw the very last episode of it. Okay, so the, for those of you who haven't seen the Whisper arc and who haven't listened to the episodes, we talk about the Whispers. These are people who, for again, like Dustin said earlier, they don't make a lick of sense, um, but they they want to be like the dead, so they take the skin of the dead and they wear the skin of the dead and they walk along with the Whisper with the with the walkers and exist among them and then yet somehow have their own little settlements because none of it makes any sense whatsoever so why did why did negan and maggie have those shitty latex masks well negan (laughs) had his because he broke out of alexandria uh and then told alpha the leader of the whispers that he had come to be on her side now and so he got a mask like they did then he betrayed her and killed her because it was all part of a plan that he and Carol had agreed to. And anyway, so he kept his his walker, his dead walker face mask. He And so that yeah, they had to cut one off for Maggie. And you know, they never and then they spend they have to spend a month tanning it. No, no, no. They did it take like a week because she he'd have to take a mold of her face and then and then do a sculpt and then cast that in latex because that's what they were wearing and it was very obvious well it, yeah. I, I wasn't fooled by that you know i think it was couldn't, the bad couldn't paint su- couldn't suspend your disbelief even for a second not for that i've had a problem with those when i first started seeing them you know i mean even hell the 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 walkers in this episode looked like garbage i thought way below standard Listen to me. I'm fucking quality control checking. <laughs> this is, oh God. Yeah, well, there are there are a lot of walkers in this episode. So there's, I'm sure there are there there's the hero walkers who are done up really well, and there's everybody else on diminishing law of returns. But there uh, was one walker in the background when she came. I don't remember when she came walking out of that building. I don't. She's like the the like second or like the fourth or fifth walker. And when she came walking out, she was just walking like a normal person. And then it's like, oh, oh, right, I'm in the scene. And then she's like, oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, she's that's like, fantastic. I didn't see that. That's funny. I love I love catching shit like that though. <laughs> well, the, the episode basically opens with Negan looking at Maggie and saying, "Listen, this isn't a good plan." This is a bad plan. And if you want my help, you have to agree not to kill me. And she's like, what? And he's like, no, really. If you want me to help, that's the deal, is that you have to promise not to kill me in revenge. And she's like, you'd believe me if I said it? And he looks at her and goes, yeah. You're a woman of your word. I'm a man of mine. I always have been. And that kind of sets up the whole thing right there for this episode with their interaction. is him looking at her and basically going, I'm not going to lie to you. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to like what I'm going to say because she doesn't. <laughs> well, he he decides the best way for them to gather an army is to basically revive Whispering. Mm-hmm. And so they, she he's going to teach her how to walk a cursory, you know, this is how you whisper walk. And walk uh, like you, talk like you. Right. you. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, then they'll have, they'll be able to gather walkers and go on the attack. Uh, so, so that is how this all starts because he's trying to teach her how to be a whisperer. And, uh, you know, they've got the whole training thing where they do a bunch of figuring it out. And, but then they have like a really good training day and they're sitting around the fire and, uh, they start just chatting and it then goes super great. <laughs> <laughs> Megan starts it off with, I get it. He says, I get it, Ree. I know what this feels like. And she's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I know what it's like to try and reinvade the place that was yours and someone took it from you. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to lose people. And she's like, whatever. And he's like, where'd Aaron's kid come from? And it's like the, you know, it's the mic drop moment that, well, no, it could have been a mic drop moment, but it's more of a, he hits her with it and then looks at her and goes, did you really think I didn't know? Mm. And she's just like, uh... It's not the same. Those people didn't, those, there were no women and children at the outpost. And he's like, they had friends. They had girlfriends, family, some of them. Yeah. Uh, and he's like that, you know, I, he, and she tries to pawn it off on you, were, you know, you, but she was like, no, somebody killed my, like we've talked about before, my perspective, somebody came into my community and killed my people. And then I had to look at those, the people who, who were still alive and say, I couldn't protect you. So you're saying you would do it all different? And he goes, oh, yeah, I would do it all different. I would have killed every last one of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, how can you say that to me? And he's like, have you not been listening? <laughs> I, I was unable, because I was generous, because he decided to be magnanimous, so many people died. Not only saviors, but Alexandrians and hilltop people, so many people died because he didn't kill seven people one night. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how can you say this to me? And he goes, we had a good day today. The only way this is going to work is if we're honest. And that's when she's like, well, I don't like this. (laughs) And Uh. we've talked about this before. We've, God, how many years ago did we just first start discussing the fact that if we had followed this show from Negan's point of view from the beginning, if this had been the Negan and the Savior show, then Rick and company are obviously the bad guys. We talked about it last week. Yeah, but I mean, you, but you and I started talking about this a long time ago. Oh, yeah. However you feel about Negan... And there are times we have not particularly enjoyed Negan as a character. There, I think they're writing his, this isn't really his redemption arc. Negan, Negan has only changed so much. Negan's always been a realist. He's a survivor, but I think they're writing him really well. He's a sociopath. I don't even think that's true because, because his problem isn't a lack of understanding of emotions and other people's emotions. 
his his problem is like just pra- he's too pragmatic. Well, you're. I think. Look, um, I think you might be confusing uh, being a sociopath with being uh, uh, on the spectrum. You know, because sociopaths do understand other people's feelings. That's how they can manipulate them. Well, the I think there's certainly there's so he probably has sociopathic tendencies. A good chunk of our cast does. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great survival mode to be in because you can manipulate people and you have no problem just murdering the shit out of folks. Well, I think that's I think that's kind of the thing that Negan's saying here is that he doesn't actually it's not that he doesn't enjoy defeating an opponent. But actually just killing people in general is not something that he gets off on. And no. so on, on when well, he, I mean, come on. Not even a little. I mean, come uh, on. No, he he clearly enjoys defeating his enemies. Right. But if it were if it's just killing for killing's sake, don't you remember when he uh when he left and ran up with that lady where and that kid and he was being followed by his little stalker buddy right. and and then that, you know. He was not going to kill. He was going to send those people back to Alexandria. He, yeah. he kills when it is advantageous. <clears throat> and that's 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 his mistake when he encountered Rick and company is that he only killed two people when he should have killed them all from his and the savior's perspective. And he's right. That he is right. From the point of view of the characters we're following along, he's a monster and he did a monstrous thing. I mean, the thing is, he can't he can't accept that he was doing some fucked up shit that really he deserved to get. Oh, no, he's he's long accepted that he's deserved. He begged Maggie to kill him uh, when he was in the jail cell. The first, when he oh. first got put in the jail cell, he begged her to kill him. And that's that was before our time jump. So yeah. since, during that time period, he's come to sit there and go, you know what? I think I want to I think I want to keep the people around me alive. That's what I was doing before anyway. So it's a good conversation. It's a yeah. good sequence. And so they end up learning how to walk her to get like Maggie figures it out and they go about collecting an army of walkers. I'm guessing to go up against these crazy idiot soldiers. And I and hope all probably, the soldiers die and I hope they all die super fast. My, uh, my guess is their strategy is going to be to, is to make them expend their ammunition. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they're going to walk around like this for like a week and just have hundreds of thousands of zombies. It's going to be brilliant. The fucking Game of Thrones style zombie battle. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. That's Probably. Why, that's the last shot of the episode is them this giant. Oh, wait, we also have uh, one of one of Maggie's friends. Uh, saw somebody that he knew as a walker his early sister. in the episode, and then his sister shows up at the end of the episode as a walker, and it's a it's a nice little emotional moment um, because he just keeps walking. He he knows that it's it's sad that his sister is dead over there, and it's it's hurting him, but they've got a job to do. So mm-hmm. um, that's the last shot of the episode. Um, yeah, I'm, this was this is this week and last week's episode. These last two episodes have actually been really good. Right. And if it wasn't for how just completely ridiculous, I find the setup of, of the group Daryl is stuck with, I think it would have been like, even if they were just like, you know, I don't, I don't know, like a one tweak of like, you know, we've been 
marauding to get like this is this is the way we like it. We like that he's crazy. I might have I might accept that a little bit. Yeah, he's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's are crazy. Well, even even if they just don't know. down don't know. his crazy a couple of bits, knock it, knock him down a couple of notches and give him give us more of him. If we if more of what we had seen of him was this calm, calculating tactician that he's supposedly supposed to be instead of just this ranting god speaks to me tempered in the fire i mean there's yeah god they didn't need to go this way with this character right no they really didn't i wish they hadn't because um they're just dipping so deep into stereotypical horror movie tropes i mean you know we saw that dude in one of those uh I don't know. I don't know which living dead movie it was, um, but where they're in the cave and it's the military installation, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Dawn of the dead. Dawn of the dead. Seen it before, you know, his characters everywhere. I'm, I'm just not digging it. I'm not digging him. You know, I'm glad that Daryl's got his girlfriend kind of, I mean, but he doesn't know, is he going to have to kill her? You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I enjoy, I'm enjoying the arc, but that character's driving me bonkers. Well, it's the standard. Get out there and find my goddamn enemy. It's the standard stock military zombie movie character. It's there's every, this is this is a long standing and like you said, it's a it's a very redundant, overused trope. It's the end of the world comes and the military commanders go insane. Yeah, it's it's like he couldn't answer the question that the actor. I, I'll have to find out his pedigree and everything. I'm sure he's a great actor and all that, but he's he's not delivering with this one, in my opinion. Yet we'll see. It'll be. Uh, he hasn't had a hell of a lot of screen time, to be honest. I mean, you know, we they need to uh, you know lean into his character a little bit more and give him some screen time so that we can figure him out a little bit. Uh, what his motivations are to be the, I don't know, the religious the coo- conduit. The, the kookiest of- general of them all. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I Mandrake. lost by the podium hat. Mandrake, come in here. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy pants shit nuts. Oh, okay. So I cannot, apparently, 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 uh, Strand has taken to dressing in military garb with one of those little triangle hats. From what I've seen, he's got a little crazy with a little triangle hat. Wow. Very excited. Wow. Wow. I'm sure my grandpa used to wear one of those when he was a butcher. Oh, my. So, yeah, that's where we are with with the state of things. One more episode in this particular part of the final season of The Walking Dead. And then, of course, we'll turn our attentions to Fear the Walking Dead. And, yes, we'll come back to World Beyond because we like pain. No, we Um, won't. God dang it. I like inflicting the pain upon Dustin and Curtis and making them watch these things. And clearly, they're into it as well. That tells you a lot about us, really. Because a sadist yes, is just a, someone who's nice to a masochist. I'm yes, I, I have I have fully accepted that I am a glutton for punishment. I am a masochist in the regards to this show. Like you know, every once in a while, Tim will go like, "Hey, let's uh, let's all watch the show separate," and Curtis will be like, "Yeah, sounds like a great idea," and I'm like, "I won't watch it." <laughs> 
I'm not. I'm not watching that Teenage Walking Dead show. That show is bullshit. I can't stand. I can't. I can't handle listening to those guys talk about their petty little bullshit problems. You know, be late for a bill and then you know complain to me about something. <laughs> I'm oh, I'm so sorry. Your friend isn't being nice to you. Oh, because of the zombie stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I got an overdraft, so right. I had to drive 35 miles. I'm not kidding. I had to rush to a bank, take money out, and then rush across town to another bank today to not so I wouldn't get an overdraft. Jeez. Which was just like fuck my whole life. Jeez. Oh, so I know exactly how that feels. Well, fine. Tim, bring it on. I'm then okay. If you're gonna make us do that, me and Dustin get to pick the movies we watch in the off season. Okay. Ow, ow, my arm. Stop. Ow, ow, you're hurting me. Stop. I kind of I kind of super want to watch uh the um the animated the animated dead, the night of the animated dead. And I also want to watch the night of the living dead TV show. Which I, from what I understand, is a comedy. Well, there's some humor to be found in the uh, of the dead, and I mean, we've got a we've got an eyeball popping out on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want I don't want I don't want any more zombies, you guys. Yeah, I need, a, um, I need a respite. I think we need to. Can we? Hey, um. Can we watch Call of Midwife together? Because I love that show. And it's so calming, you guys. It is so calming. We need to do at least one episode of Zompocalypse Now where we look at that show and we act exactly the same way as we do talking (laughs) about The Walking Dead. (laughs) In fact, we watch it as if it's a horror show. And we review it as if it's a horror show. Well, sometimes it is. They have on the show, okay, it's about little nuns and little midwives who deliver babies in the 1960s. It's adorable. Uh, One of the nuns is like full-on demented. She's got Alzheimer's or something. And like they still still take care of her because she's their sister and they love her. And so she still lives the house. But nobody watches this fucking nun. She like, well, like, Put, put uh, you know, somebody will call, like, I'm, my wife's having their baby. And and uh, she'll be like, oh, how lovely. And hang up the phone and, like, wander off and pick daisies. Or, like, leave food on the stove boiling and stuff like that. Like, is somebody watching Sister Monica Joan? That old bitch is setting shit on fire. <laughs> uh, but it's so good. We'll have to see if we can we can do a, a special episode of that. Well, I think if there's a way we can do it, wouldn't it be nice if we could all get together for a screening of the new Rob Zombie Monsters movie and then talk about it? Uh, I'm so scared. Uh, well, yeah, but then um, we don't we don't shy away from the things that scare us here. That's the whole point of the show. Can you? Can you imagine the fun we would have talking about that amazing pile of garbage that's coming from him? Uh, there is a lost, there is a lost video series 
called Dusted Watches. And me and Tim tried to 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 do like a a test run with it where I watched we watched Jim and the holograms together. I remember that. And oh, were you there? No, I just remember it being happening. Uh and he put the camera on me and watched my reactions to the movie as it happened. And it just it it was it was a horror, like it was the worst thing. I was just and I feel like that would be the monsters for me. Again, another like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. They're not supposed to really be monsters. That's not the joke of the show. At this point, though, his I will I will say this: all the production design stuff he's been putting out looks really fantastic. Whether or not the script is any good, don't know. But the production design, in terms of recreating Mockingbird Lane, re, the, the, they, we finally got a cast photo. Um, and they look they look fantastic. I mean, everything looks really good. But I'll tell you what, I watched the first trailer for his version of Halloween and I went, doesn't look bad. And then I saw the movie and went, never mind. <laughs> this is hot garbage. Like, that movie is far like, better than I Halloween know. shits on my face. That that I hated that. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up, guys. I'm all right. Say the words. It's time for sleepy bedtime. All right, folks. So we are definitely going to come back to this storyline because, of course, we've got a lot happening in this one more episode in this part of the arc. And then it's uh, a break. And, of course, more Walking Dead content. And then we'll do other things as well because, you know what, folks? Every now and again, we get tired of the zombie stuff. It's true. I know it's a sort of shock, but. <laughs> It's true. So we hope that you'll join us as we dive into more of this. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can leave us a rating and a comment on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, We always appreciate getting ratings and comments. If you enjoy the show, let us know. If you disagree with us, that's what comments are for. And you can uh, let us know what you think. We'd appreciate it. And we appreciate you guys listening. It's always great to know that we have folks out there who are listening to the show. We appreciate it. Dustin, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And again, folks, thank you for listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.